Hey there, and welcome to the Refuge Podcast. We're a podcast of Crossroads Community Church here in Nampa, Idaho. And here at the church, we believe in being a place of refuge, transformation, and partnership with God. My name is Charlie, and I'm a pastor here at the church. And I'm Scott, and I'm one of the partners here at Crossroads. And we're starting a new series, Scott. It's happening. Yeah, and we are witnesses to it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. It made me think of, uh, I don't know if you're a basketball fan, but LeBron James for a long time had that giant banner in Cleveland. Okay. That said uh, witness, and it had a picture of him. You know, his big thing is that you get to mm-hmm. witness his greatness, you know, and LeBron James is pretty great, I do think, as a basketball player. And then when he left Cleveland, they tore it down. It was a big deal. Really? Yeah. So every time he says witness, I think of the whole LeBron James saga. I don't know why. So. Huh. Non-basketball fans would listen to the podcast are like, okay, move on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, starting this new series, and uh, it's really cool, and we're going to dive into it, and so we don't want to bury a lot of the lead. But uh, Jim, I don't know if Jim thought of this series, and then the Bible Project came out with a video, or vice versa. The Bible Project has a great new video on this idea of being a witness and what it means. And when I, when you hear the word witness, what, what comes to your mind? Oh, goodness, what comes to my mind when I hear witness? Um well, the, the context of Christianity, it would be what I have experienced and sharing what I, how God has worked in my life and in others' lives uh, that I know. And that would be very personalizing. And then I also look at the uh, testimony of other people and say, wow, um, that's a great testimony. Uh, maybe God could do the same thing for me. Right. Listening, right. witnessing other people's stories and saying, what if that's for me? In a non-Christian setting, like, do you think, I, I also think of courtrooms, you know, there's a lot uh, of, there's a lot of imagery that I think of when I think of a witness. That's a good point. You know, I mean, who do we, who do we call when we're in court? We call witnesses, people who have knowledge. Right. People who have seen. Yeah. Yeah. Who have knowledge of what we're getting for, and we either ask uh, expert witnesses, right, right, or we just ask your average Joe Blow who was there at the scene, right. Well, we don't want to say too much because Jim really does a really cool idea of unpacking this idea of witness and why it's important. So we'll go ahead and give that a listen, and then we'll get together and talk about it. Well, good morning, Crossroads. If you're visiting, we still call you Crossroads. You're part of us. If you're listening online, thanks for listening online. Some of you got up this morning knowing that there was something special going on today. I don't know what it was, but there was snow, and you thought, ah, we'll just watch it from home. I know that. I just know it. And, uh, uh, you know, this is a, it's a beautiful day, though, in, in Nampa, Idaho. I'm glad to be here. Uh, there is something going on today. It's, um, I don't know, it, it's something to do with, football or something I don't know um or I think it's I think it's a display of a lot of brand new commercials is really what it is <clears throat> um and, and think about that you know it, it's it's a, an interesting day you know I I'm I'm torn I I lived in Kansas City one year <clears throat> San Francisco five years I I kind of feel like Joe Montana without all the money um <laughs> just don't know what to do so I'll be there for the commercials um but uh yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. A commercial is, a, is, is really something where someone gives a witness to something they've experienced. And the whole reason they give you this witness is so that you'll be convinced to buy that same thing, okay? Now, I, I'm not going to talk politics here this morning, but there's a lot of talk these days about the word witness, okay? All right? 
but a witness is a person who sees something take place or has knowledge from personal observation or experience. Not that they've heard something happen. A witness is someone who was there, saw it, and experienced it. Okay? Now, in court, um, a defendant, the defendant has the right to not take the stand. But a witness, if called upon, must take the stand. In fact, if you are called upon as a witness to testify and you refuse to do that, you will be found in contempt of court. Why? Because you're a witness. You saw it, right? And a witness is to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help them God. So why am I talking about the word witness? The word witness is throughout the scripture in amazing abundance. And it's one of those words that we might just read right past, but instead we're going to spend about six or so weeks examining where that word shows up. Why? Well, because we follow a man named Jesus who claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. We cannot prove that. Only he can prove that. But we follow him. Because a witness does not have to prove the validity of something. They simply need to testify to what they know from sight or experience. Am I a witness of Jesus who claims to be the way, the truth, and the life? It kind of reminds me of the story in John 9, one of the great theologians of the faith, the man born blind. I love this guy. Jesus uh, heals him. You know, the disciples are asking, who, is, who, is, uh, who sinned, his parents or him? And Jesus dispels that whole incorrect theology by healing the man. And he gives him his sight. And, and so the Pharisees were angry with Jesus. They were already trying to look for ways of, um, of doing away with him. And so they brought that man into the temple courts and they, they demanded of him, what happened to you? What, 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 who did this? And, and he said, well, Jesus uh, healed me. And they said, it's impossible. He's a sinner. He said, mm. And so they called his parents. This is a, an adult man, but they called his parents. They said, was he born blind? Yes, he was born blind. Could he see before today? No, he couldn't. Well, then how did he find his sight? They went, ask him. He's an adult. Why? They didn't want to be kicked out of the temple. So, so they bring the man back in for a second time. And they said, God should get the glory for this. Because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. That's what the, the Pharisees are saying. And the guy says, I don't know whether he's a sinner, but I do know this. I was blind, but now I see. That's it. That is awesome theology. That is a witness. Something happened that changed my life. You can argue with it all day long, but you can never take away my experience. And that's what a witness is. Why, why do we want to study that? Why do we want to look into that? Why did Peter say to the early church, instead you must worship Christ the Lord of your life, as Lord of your life? And if someone asks about the hope that you have as a believer, always be prepared to explain it. Can you, can I articulate the hope that we have? I may not be able to articulate all of the theological positions of the church, 
I may not be able to, to, to uh, uh, wax eloquently on the theological uh, issues facing the world today, but can I give a reason for the hope that I have? That's it. And Jesus said to his disciples, but you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're going to be my witnesses. Witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice this, power comes first. To be his witness means that there's an, a holy encounter to begin with. It's that holy encounter that also not only gives us the ability to say it, but the power with which to say it. So we're going to spend some time on the series of witness. In the Hebrew, the word is ud. It means to, to represent God. This is why in the Bible we are called a royal priesthood. We are to, we are to represent God to the world. Ud, to ud on behalf of God, to tell the story. In the Greek is martus, which is where we get the word martyr. It is to be a witness, to give a witness to the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus and the impact he's had on our lives. So we're going to spend some time there talking about what this means to be a witness for Jesus. But every week I want to have a story that helps us understand it. Well, let's go back to the Old Testament word ood. And God calls a man and he says, I want to ood through you for my people. I want you to be a witness. I want you to represent me to your people. You see, God's intention was to speak through people. It always has been. When he spoke to Abraham, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you a great family. I'm going to give you a great land. And I'm going to redeem the world through you. You are to ood me to the world. Represent me. You are to speak the, the, uh, to the world. And so he gives them this land, this place, what we call an intersection of influence. On the map, you can see that it's where Asia, Europe, and Africa join. He puts them at the intersection of influence in the ancient world. And it, from here, he says, influence the world. But it didn't always work, did it? So God continued to speak through people. He spoke through Moses. He spoke through prophets. He spoke through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And now he speaks through us because it's at that same intersection that Jesus takes his disciples right before he ascends into heaven. He says, now go into all the world, preach the gospel, teach them the things I've taught you, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don't worry, I'm going to be with you to the end of this age. Go. And they did. From there. As what? Witnesses. But not every witness is excited about being a witness. Take, for instance, Moses. Moses was not a man who thought being a witness was a good idea. <clears throat> Moses was a man who was raised in Pharaoh's home because Pharaoh gave the command to, to, to drown all of the babies from the Jewish people who were now enslaved in Egypt. Moses was rescued by the daughter of Pharaoh, raised as one of Pharaoh's own family members. He was doing all right for about the first 40 years until he saw an Egyptian beating up on some Jewish uh, men and he killed the Egyptian. <clears throat> he had to flee into the wilderness. And so for the next 40 years, he is by himself as a sheep herder. 
And it's here in the wilderness, the wilderness of Zen, Kadesh Barnea, if you're, a, a, uh, if you're into geography and knowing where things are, okay? It's in this wilderness area that God meets Moses at the burning bush. Moses sees a, sees a bush on fire and says, I must go and see what this is. Of course, Moses, the thing's not burning. You ought to show up. <clears throat> but we don't really have any idea about Moses's life with God prior to this point, And he's probably about 80 years of age at this point. We have a few stories, but we really don't have any stories of him encountering God. The first encounter that we see is a burning bush. A moment in time where he comes up against the end of himself and the beginning of God and nothing will ever be the same again. A burning bush. An experience with the living God that changes everything. And any old bush will do because God will use whatever is necessary to get our attention so that we come to the end of us and begin to be a witness of his power. I, I've never seen a burning bush except for bushes that are literally on fire. And there was nothing to see because they were quickly gone. But I have had encounters where I came to the end of me, into the presence of God, and I knew I would never be the same again. It could be an accident. It could be the loss of someone you love. The loss of an ideal, a dream. Some sort of a holy encounter where you may not have felt God, but you knew nothing will ever change. Nothing is going to be the same. Everything changes from here on out. That is a burning bush where God encounters us. You, you, you might not be a person who is a, a, uh, a feeler, as the psychological tests tell us, Right? You might be a high feeler. You just, you have a sense, you feel. You might be like, oh, wow, I wish I had feelings like those people have. Here's the deal. God made every one of us. He knows exactly who we are and he knows exactly what it will take to realize who he is. And we can trust him. Your experience, your burning bush doesn't have to look like anybody else's because he knows exactly what it will take for you to come to the end of you and realize without him, you're dead. And that's exactly what happened. Exodus chapter three, if you want to read in your Bible, then the Lord said, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard the cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, and Parasites live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go. Go. For I am sending you 
to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Moses, you are to ood me to Pharaoh. To give witness. Again, I don't know what Moses' relationship is with God to this point. But have you ever had a holy encounter with the living God? And if not, let me ask you this question. Are you open to it? Moses is going to have to speak for God and face great opposition. He knew Pharaoh. He grew up in this home. This was not going to be easy. So Moses asks him, well, who, who should I say sent me? I mean, this is cool and all, but I can't bring the burning bush with me. What, 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 what am I supposed to say? I mean, how is my story actually going to change someone's life, right? Hmm. Who am I to lead the people of Israel? God said, I'll be with you. Well, that's cool, but... And this is the sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask, what is his name? then what should I tell them? This, this might be an indication that Moses is not real tight with God. What's your name? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Oh, that's comforting. That helps. That's a big help. <laughs> Say this to the people of Israel, I am sent you. <sighs> All right. Um, eh, yeah, sir, eh, yeah, is the Hebrew. I like saying that. It's kind of, I don't know, makes me feel better. You want to say it with me? Eh, yeah, sir, eh, yeah. Eh, yeah is the word that I use when I'm on my computer and Dory says, did you hear what I asked you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Some of you already know Hebrew. You didn't even know it. See, uh, yeah, 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 I heard, I heard, yeah. Eh, yeah, sir, eh, yeah. Uh, yeah, is, is, it, it means, uh, uh, the word it's by itself means presence, it means care, it means concern, it means relationship. But when you put those two together, I am, that I am, I am who I am, it means I am self-sufficient, I am pre-existent, I am ever-present, not contingent on any one or any circumstance. I am unchangeable, literally I do what I want. That's what it means. And no one can tell me otherwise. I am is behind you, Moses. He's the one who backed Moses. And brothers and sisters, when you give witness to what Jesus has done in your life, he is the one who backs you. And when you face opposition, 
picture the great I am standing behind you. Because something happens in that moment. And God makes himself known. I am has called you. Which also means my qualifications, your qualifications don't matter. The I am has called you to ood on his behalf. But, but I, but I, I don't, I, 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 I don't speak so well, and I, I'm. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? <laughs> what if they say the Lord never appeared to you? I mean, that's legit, right? The Lord asked him, what's that in your hand? A shepherd's staff. It's just a stick. He's been a shepherd for 40 years. This is the tool of the trade. Nothing special about it. You know, you can hold it out in front of you when you're getting the sheep into the pen so they don't scoot by the fence. Keep it coming, keep it coming. You can use it to, uh, well, encourage them along the way. If they fall off a cliff, you can reach down, grab them by the neck, pull them up. It's just a stick. What's that in your hand, Moses? Uh, this? Yeah, throw it down. So Moses threw it down, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. No kidding. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab it by its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in the hand. Perform this sign. When I'm talking to who? Pharaoh? No, talking to the people. That's all they needed. That's all they needed. They'll believe the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. Now, I've hiked through some of the hills of Idaho and eastern Oregon, and I will confess that I may have dispatched a snake or two in my day. Let me just give a little piece of advice. If you're going to pick up a snake, never pick it up from the tail. Not only did he jump back, God says, do the dumbest thing you can think of right now. Okay, pick it up by the tail. Hmm. Wouldn't it be great if that happened to us? We would no longer ever doubt God. Or would we? Until the next time we're in a struggle and we forget the fact that he turned our stick into a snake and back. And how we cry and wail and moan, but the song we sang this morning, I know you're faithful, so I'm hanging on dearly. That's why. Because we have a past, we have a history with God. That old stick brought plagues, it parted seas, it brought water from the rocks, it maybe even dispatched a few scoundrels along the way. The question is this, what tool or talent do you have that you don't think is anything unusual that God could use? Throw it down. Throw it down, let him have it. 
It doesn't have to be significant to you. What matters is what God does through it. And that's not up to us. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? Hmm. It's not easy to witness to those who ought to believe, like the Israelites. Then he's called to convince Pharaoh. But it turns out that it was actually harder to convince the Israelites than it was Pharaoh. And Pharaoh had his heart hardened. But it didn't take very long until the Israelites were actually saying, can we just go back to Egypt where it was so wonderful? God took Moses' simple tool of the trade to show his power. Think about the miracles, though, he did. The miracles are amazing. God's supernatural ability is what we have behind us and what we point to. You know, the Bible says it is through the foolishness of preaching that he saves people, which is very reassuring for preachers because sometimes we get home and we think, wow, But the fact of the matter is, it is the power behind all of our efforts that matters, not all of our efforts. <laughs> See. And you might not think what you have is that important. You might not think what you do is that important. But if it's a staff in your hand, God says, throw it down. Look and see what he can do. Now, as you look back on your life, look at all the times that God has been faithful to you. Look at the stories in your life where God has come through, where God has, has demonstrated his power. People can argue with you all day long, but all you need to do is just look at what he's done. I can tell you some of the things that have happened in my life, and you could say, well, it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it did. You could argue with me theologically. We, we might go back and forth, and I might lose the argument, but you can't argue away my story, and I can't argue away yours. How has God demonstrated his power in your life? That's what you give witness to. That's what you tell. Think about the miracles. Think about the parting of the Red Sea. An amazing thing. He takes this thing, he parts the sea. We think that that's just a beautiful story. We sometimes forget the verse that happens right before it, though. I love this verse. So the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff. Raise it, your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through uh, the middle of the sea on dry ground. I love that verse. <laughs> Look at this. Why are you still crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Is it possible that sometimes we just need to stop praying and get moving? We already know what we're supposed to do. We don't need to sit around and think about it any longer. Just start doing it. Why? Because we trust the great I am who backs us and calls us. Hmm. Wow. Think about the water that came from the rocks. Think about the manna that came from the sky. Whenever I go to Israel, I like to take people here if we can get here, but it's not an easy place to get to. But I just want you to Ponder this. This is where Israel spent 38 of the 40 years waiting to take the promised land. Look at that lush greenery. <laughs> Abundant water. Crops. Crops. 
That is the wilderness of Paran. 38 years waiting to go into the promised land. There is still no life there today because there is nothing to sustain life there. And God puts his people there. How do they survive? That's their story. Manna, water from the rocks. And how many times have we found ourselves in those same situations where God just simply shows up and rescues us? Those are the stories of my witness. And you can't argue that. You simply can't argue that. And then he sings a song, a song of faith after they come through the Red Sea. This song of Moses is the first song recorded in the Bible. It's also the first mention of the word salvation in the Bible. God has rescued us powerfully. You see, Moses was doing something that David also later learned to do, and that is to put our songs of faith, put, put our, 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 our uh, tenets of our faith into song because somehow we don't forget songs. My dad, in his last few days, couldn't remember my name, couldn't remember my sister's name, couldn't remember anything. But when I began to sing one of the songs of the faith, he not only started singing, he took the bass line. How does that happen? Here's how it happens. Amazing grace, how that I once, I was blind. Huh. The songs of faith that get stuck in our craw, that carry us through those times of difficulty, those wilderness moments. Choruses, hymns. Those things that have become a part of who we are. Those miracles. And then God gave them the law. It's funny. We as evangelical American Christians, whether you like that title or not, I'm not suggesting that you need to. I'm just saying this is who we are 2,000 years later after the time of Jesus. We... Uh, We think that the Old Testament is irrelevant. It's the law. We're in a time of grace. I, I unfortunately hear that so much. Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. How do I know that? Here's what happened. Going back to the Old Testament with Moses, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words as, it, as it's uh, pronounced. And these words, the first five are about how, here's how to relate to God. And the other five is here's how to relate to each other. Now, what's remarkable about this is in the time that the Israelites left Egypt, the Egyptians alone had 1,500 gods. That's not to mention the gods of the Canaanites in the land that they were going to take. Gods were everywhere. But nowhere did a god ever come down to his people and say, this is what I need from you and this is what I expect. 
It is the first place in history where God speaks to his people. And here he says, here's, it's pretty easy. Here's five ways to relate to me and five ways to relate to one another. And then Jesus comes along and says, who is, by the way, not the abolisher of the law, but the fulfillment of the law, and says to a Pharisee who says, so which is the greatest law? He says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. For the whole of the law can be summed up in these. Brilliant, simple, but God is speaking clearly to us what he expects. He doesn't make it complicated. We're the ones that make it complicated. Our witness is our experience with him and the power that he's demonstrated in our lives. Now, I, I want to say this, though, as we, as we think about being witnesses. You'll, you're going to see this like Moses saw it, that some will follow you all the way to the promised land and some will cho choose to simply die in the wilderness. Your, your, your witness isn't a promise of success. But he didn't say, go out and witness for me. Be my witness. Be my ood. Speak on my behalf and everybody's going to love you. <laughs> no. He just said, go do that. And I'll be with you even to the very end of the age. The power that you need to do it, I'm giving it to you. But we may face difficulty like Moses did. And you might be thinking, Okay, that's, that's Moses. That's not me. I'm not Moses. I mean, does God really want me <laughs> to be his witness? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jesus said that. Go into all the world. Teach them the things that I've taught you. Hmm. And we're going to see other words that martus, that begin with that word martus throughout the New Testament. We're going to study this. But the fact of the matter is we have gifts. Every one of us is gifted. You can look at all the lists of the gifts in the New Testament. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4. Guess what? Everybody has a gift. Everybody has a gift in varying degrees. Sometimes we think our gift is just an old stick. My gift isn't as great as his gift or her gift. God never asks us to compare ourselves with one another. All he asks us to do is to throw it down and let him use it. What's your gift? What's your experience? How has the miraculous God shown up in your life that you could give witness to? There's no promise of success. Can I write? Can I speak? Can I encourage? Can I instruct? Can I shepherd? Can I inspire? Can I connect with others? What, what can I do? I just need to use what's in my hands. That's all. And that is my witness. And God doesn't compare us with one another either. He doesn't. No. He just looks at me and says, Jim, What's in your hand? Throw it down. See what I can do with what you think is no big deal. Try me. What's in your hand? 
how can I be a witness? Well, as you leave today, there are some cards I want to show you. Please understand this. I didn't understand this after the first service that one is in English and one is in Spanish. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> if you can't read it, it's not your language, okay? <laughs> Bible, stick it in your Bible for a, a, a bookmark. But I'll explain it here in just a moment. But something that is coming up that you can be a part of in May 1st through the 3rd, the churches of the Treasure Valley are coming together. And, and it's going to be a gospel-focused time together. It's a time to invite our friends, our family. That's one of the ways we can witness. And, and I've met with these guys. I, I know them. And, and folks, let me tell you something. Lives get changed. And somebody said, well, what do you think about this? I, you, know what, you know what I think is if lives are changed, I'm in. Period. I'm in. That's one of the ways that you and I can do this. Don't forget First Peter. If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Is your hope evident? Is your hope evident? Can people see your And so this card is something that we are going to be looking at here in the days ahead. As a follower of Jesus, I've been witness to God's forgiveness and the hope I found in both abundant and eternal life. These are what I give witness to, the gospel. And I'm spelling all the scriptures out there so you can read them and, and refer back to this. But I'm to give witness to Jesus, the divine Savior, to witness to the love of God, to witness the forgiveness of God. What's your story of forgiveness? That is a powerful story to the grace of God, to eternal life. You see, it's really easy to read past this word witness because it's there so much that we tend to not notice it. We're going to notice it for the next six weeks with stories about how people speak on behalf of God. What God is doing in the world, he's doing through people. He could write it in the sky. He could take over all the newscasts one morning and just get on the news and say, I just want you to know who I am. But instead, he uses us. The church is clearly called to gather, to encourage one another, to build up one another until we all reach maturity in the body. But we're also called to leave our gatherings as salt and light. We're called to be the church in the world. And we have an oud responsibility a martus responsibility, a witness. But I can only witness to that which I've seen and experienced. Have you experienced the holy God? Yeah, man, uh, I'm really excited for this series. I think Jim's got some really cool stuff that he's got in the docket to talk about. And But, you know, as we were listening to this one, 
I, I was really blown away by just the two different words and this idea of oud or this the martus, the word for martyr, you know, and how important um, a witness was. Because, you know, we were talking about the idea of a courtroom, right? Witnesses called in court. And uh, nowadays we have video. Nowadays we have DNA evidence. We have all these different evidences. But back in the day, I mean, witness was very important, right? Because they, someone seeing something might have been the reason somebody got convicted. That's a good point. That's what they had, right? They had witnesses. They didn't have the DNA. That's a great point. And so... That shows how important it was to those times of being a witness. And not like it isn't important today. It's very important. Um, I mean, whenever we think of a courtroom now, that's what we think of. We think of the all the spectacular scientific DNA analysis right. and stuff. But not probably not even the majority of cases are decided that way. It's, it's witnesses. And even, but you're right, even in our modern day, right, when you get married, you have to have witnesses that sign the marriage certificate in many states and... You know, that, that's just kind of a little part of our lives. We don't really think about it, but that used to be incredibly important because, again, you know, there was different filing systems. Um, uh, as a witness, you might actually be called on to prove that people got married or, you know, uh, those things just seem casual. But back in the day, they I think they were even more important. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, you know, it's funny, though, too, I, I've just in I read and listen to podcasts and stuff and. I've been hearing that there's been a lot of realizing that witnesses can be bad witnesses because a lot of times the when we experience things, right, when we witness something, we won't always exactly remember it the same. And just because so a witness may remember something does not mean that that's how it actually happened. And so it's interesting to think that maybe witnesses are not always good witnesses. And then Jim's talking about Israel and Israel sees all these miraculous things and yet they often weren't good witnesses. They're unfaithful, right? Yeah. They're yeah, and so it's it's something that God would have have us be his witnesses. Right. Thinking, God, man, I think you could do a much better job of being witnesses. Sometimes I think that, but how much uh, I guess of a privilege it is for us and for Israel to be his witnesses, but we're so unfaithful, aren't we? Right. Yeah. We are. But he talks about Moses and the life of Moses. And Moses was a witness to God, and, and I just thought that was really, really cool, this idea of the staff, you know, um, in the midst of his fear and inability, uh, God comes as a burning bush, and he, you know, works through this staff, and I love that that bit about his name, that it, this this name of Ehye, right, that I am who I am, um, but then also, interestingly, Ehye, and then Yahweh, um, Yahweh is that, is the first person, it's... Um, or the third person, you know, Ehye is I am, Yahweh is he is, mm -hmm. and how important to his name it is that, that he never changes, that he is who he is. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I've always thought I am, uh, you know, I, well, what am I? Well, I can always give some sort of adjective, uh, things that I am, but with God, it's totally different, right? I mean, God is existence. God is reality. Right. Everything which is uh, depends on God, right. and so it's not proper for me to say I am. Right, that's blasphemous. But for God, it's perfectly proper because God is the self-existent one, and everything in Him we live, move, live, move, and have our being. And yeah. so, yeah, I've I've loved that description of God. Even though when I was a kid, 
I had no idea what God, what it meant when God said, I am the right. Yeah, there's so much we lose in that translation. We, yeah. Yeah, well, Jim's going to continue to unpack for us this idea of a witness, what it meant to be a witness, and what it means to be a witness, right? Because it's our time is not done, right? We are meant to be witnesses of what God has done and what God is doing. And so as you come to Crossroads, understand that we are so, we still count on this great I am who stands behind us and who guides us and who is working. So when you come on a Sunday morning, it's not all about the music or the speaking. Uh, We're trying to create a place for God to really do what only he can do. And so as you come, we hope that you experience his presence and experience time with him. And that is our hope. And that's what we work for. So thank you so much for joining us today and listening.